We hope you enjoy listening to this weekly podcast from Lifeline Church. Find out more by visiting lifelinechurch.co.uk. Right, okay, so my, my title for today, if we could have my PowerPoint up. Um, so we're still in the message of covenant renewal, um, but we're looking at um, particularly calling all veterans is what I've, what I've called it today. Um, so I wanted to, first of all, do a recap of the message so that we're all clear on what we're talking about. How are we doing there, is it? Okay, we've got a little technical hitch. Okay, let's see if you can help me with this one. So, the message. What's the first part of the message that we've been talking about since uh, July? Where's Jesus? At the door. Well done, Moses. Good hit there. Okay, why is he standing at the door? Oh my goodness. They're all, they're all answering at the same time. There's no discipline in this place. Okay. Uh, we have to open the door from the... Well, yes, but you're adding a bit to the message. I've never said that. Okay. He, he's at the door because he wants to give us a sight of him. What happens when we see him? Okay, so two things happen. First of all, oh, let's catch up with you. So he's at the door because he wants to give us a sight of him. When we see him, two things happen. First of all, what do we... We... Oh, that, that, that's, that's the second one. Okay, right, I, I'm losing confidence now. I'm just going to go with what I've got. I thought I'd been really clear, but there we go. We, we desire him. We want to be with him. We want to be like him. We want others to see him. We want to please him. Okay, so desire to be with him. Then, as, as Owen was saying, as we're with him, something absolutely miraculous happens which is we begin to be transformed into his likeness. It's outside of our power to do that. It's what he does. And as we surrender to that, this is what happens. And as we've done this, as we've seen him, we have a desire and a commitment now uh, to renew our commitment to him, to recognize him as Lord, and to love each other. So this is the message that we've been talking about um, for, for a long time now. Now, I feel that we've got to go on a bit of a journey today, and some of you might already be on this journey, and it's going to get a little bit rocky at some parts for, for some of us during this message. But I ask you to hang on in, because it, it will end well. Okay, It's like one of those classic adventure stories. So it, it's a little bit disturbing on this journey, because I think God wants to wake us up, make us a little bit uncomfortable because he's got to take us to another destination. And um, I think, as I say, some of you might already be on this journey. I feel that I'm on this journey. Some of you, I don't know if you've necessarily engaged with it yet. And what I'm believing is the Holy Spirit's going to be prompting you a bit today. So my concern is that I think there's a danger that some of us have managed to park or pigeonhole that message. Like, yeah, okay, I've got it in a safe place. Yeah, I got gotcha. you. I got this message. But it's somewhere just 
out of reach. It's somewhere where you can cope with it. But I think God loves you so much, he doesn't want to leave you in that state. He doesn't want to allow you to park or pigeonhole something that he thinks is going to absolutely revolutionize your life. God's loving voice is going to call you out today. Going to call you out of a false comfort, out of coping, out of just being okay. So there's a particular group of you that's on my mind in this message, but I do hope that the Spirit of God is going to speak to every one of you in different ways. And I think that everyone will will hear God say something. So by the end of this session today, I want to have defined what is a veteran. I want you to be able to explain what a veteran is. I want you to recognize the symptoms of missing the message. I want you to be warned of the dangers of missing the message. And whenever I say the message, I'm referring to that that first slide of he wants us to see him, and that brings a transformation and becomes the basis for everything that we do and are. I want to help you identify the antidote, and I want you to be inspired to where God wants to take us. So those are the things that hopefully you'll be able to answer by the end of today. So I particularly want to call to the veterans. Those that have been there, done that, and got the T-shirt. There's, I've got kind of ten characteristics, so see if you tick any of these boxes. You've been round the block a few times. You can recite all of the catchphrases that we've used You can even make your own little story about going round the bend, looking over the fence, going to a broad place, through the portal, on the spirit of adventure, all of the catchphrases. You have done these to death, just like the ones that we're using today. Perhaps at some point you've you've led a particular charge. You've seen something and you've actually been a figurehead for something that God's wanted to do. You're not surprised by anything's taught up here. I could start a sentence and you could pretty much finish it. There's very rarely will you be shocked or offended by anything that's set up here. You have at one point or another experienced that one touch. Even if it was a few years ago, you can point back to something. You've experienced all the ups and downs of being part of this this community. You've got through issues with different people, and you're still here, and if anything, that is a success. And there's benefits of this. You're not kind of tipped off balance when, when you go through those down bits, because you've gone up, you've done a few ups and downs. You're all right. It means that you're stable, reliable, consistent. You're a safe pair of hands. You're not in any danger of having an affair or committing murder. You're pretty, you're pretty, you're pretty at the, you're all right. 
You've learnt what behaviours are expected of you to be part of this community. In fact, your comfort zones have expanded over a period of time to include every behaviour that you pretty much need to have nailed to be part of this community. You now fairly, you feel fairly comfortable to some extent you can live out the values that we believe here as a community. And you can rattle off the processes and procedures that any leader would bring to you at any point in time. You are a professional. You are a veteran. And I'm one of you. I can tick all of these things. There's nothing wrong with it. Much of these is commendable. To be stable, to be balanced, is good. And many of you that tick all those boxes have helped us develop this community to where we are and who we are right now. The danger of those, all those characteristics that I ticked, you could have all of those and not be living in the present good of the message that God's brought to us. You could be living without an enjoying of who God is today. You could be on autopilot. And here's the worst thing. You could become fairly self-sufficient, self-reliant. And that is the enemy of the message that God has for us about seeing him and letting him become the motivation behind everything that we are. He wants you to live out that live out of having that sight of him. And the danger with that self-sufficiency is we can become quite proud. We're proud that we know all the answers. We're proud that we're a safe pair of hands. We're proud that we rarely hit the crisis radar. We can be proud of our stability. Bill Turnbull, who was uh, used to be on the BBC Breakfast, um, he, um, I saw him being interviewed uh, on Stand Up to Cancer, and he said, I've always been, uh, I've prided myself on never needing to go to see a doctor. I've always kind of been good enough, tough enough. I've been... I've never needed to make a fuss. And he's got terminal cancer. And it's such a tragic story to listen to this guy. We could also be a tragic story if we pride ourselves in not needing a doctor, if we don't need the work of God in our lives. And the danger is, we could be all of those characteristics and miss what's going on in our own backyard. We could be spiritually lost, spiritually oblivious to what he's doing. I've often used this quote by John Piper because I find it it's, it's really helpful. Spiritual lostness is blindness to the glory of God. It is looking at the gospel facts and seeing Nothing beautiful, nothing compelling, nothing arresting, nothing convicting. It's just boredom or foolishness. It's very frightening. But don't scoff at these folks. You were one. 
And that's the truth. We were all at one stage blind and lost. But when I see this, this quote, I don't just think of just that one point of, of my salvation. I see the danger of dropping back into that all of the time, where I just know the answers, but I'm not living in the good of seeing him, being moved by him, celebrating who he is, which comes from getting a fresh sight of him. And so what I believe I want to put before you today is actually quite a painful thing. Joyce Mayer says, facing the truth about yourself is one of the most painful things you have to go through. And this is what I mean about pigeonholing it. Yeah, I I know the answer, but it's not really threatened me. I've not allowed it that close. I've... I've reassured myself that I'm okay. I'm okay. I don't really need anything more. Other people need this, but I'm I'm a stable pair of hands. Once you begin to think, hmm, am I going to allow that microscope to begin to examine me now? This is the rocky part of the message. Because God's got a job. That's what the Spirit does. Okay. So the spirit of truth comes, he will guide you to all truth. So you want to face the truth about yourself? You've not got to go navel-gazing or kind of searching yourself. You're just letting the spirit do what the spirit does. And if the spirit comes to lead you into all truth, we know that the truth will set us free. And that's what God wants to do today. He wants to bring a freedom You have an audience of one today. You've got God standing right in front of you. And perhaps you've been fooling yourself, but you can't fool him. He loves you too much to leave you in your own self-deception. I imagine as I'm talking, some of you might feel a bit of a prodding of the spirit going on at the moment. Let him do his job. He's qualified. And he loves you. He's not prepared to leave you in a position of being on the outside looking in. So let me give you some other symptoms Now, these aren't exhaustive. This is just four suggestions of other things to look for. Am I missing the message? Well, the first thing is feeling overwhelmed. Now, when we first exist, we've got just a little bit of love that we can offer, and that could cover our friends and it could cover our family, but not much else. But those first times we meet with God... Suddenly, all these other things, other people, other concerns, we've become aware of those. And the Spirit of God moves us and expands us to be able to reach and love in ways that we couldn't love before. But a symptom of missing this message is 
that you are now seeing these things around and you're thinking, that goes beyond what I can manage. I can't reach those things. It's too much. I feel overwhelmed. Stop pushing me. Stop telling me I've got to do more things. I've not got the time. I've not got the money. I've not got the energy. I don't want to commit to being around that person because I, don't, I can't manage their life. I can't be held responsible for someone else. It's all too much for me right now. That's a symptom of missing the message. And Paul warned the Galatians of this. He said, Are you so foolish? After beginning by the means of the Spirit, you are now trying to finish by means of the flesh. If you feel like you've got to hold on to your life and the things that are manageable, you're not living out of a sight of him. Because when you see him, we are changed to desire and we are transformed miraculously into his image. But just think, am I feeling that I've got to defend my life right now? It might, you might think, oh, well, that, that person's pushy or that leader wants more from me, wants more than my pound of flesh. Uh, who... Who are we hanging on from? Who are we defending from? Another symptom. Performance managing. You're very aware of how others are perceiving your performance. And you've got a sense of trying so hard to get it right. Constantly trying to live up to unspoken expectations of you. you might feel sometimes there's, there's almost an expectation that you should be fine. You're a veteran. You've handled all this before. I'm expecting you to live up to this. Or maybe that's what you just put on yourself and you can't point to it being something else someone else does. I heard um, a story about some, some leaders that were, were meeting and they were discussing um, about how do they, they care and, and reach out? And there was a particular task that they were given. And at the end of it, rather than just settling with where they got to, a number of the leaders felt compelled to, to expand what they could do or, or say they could do more. And what I hear in that is this, oh, I've failed someone else's expectation of me, or there's an overwhelming sense of responsibility to try harder. Do you ever feel anxious when you feel like you're being checked up on? Are you ever relieved to be able to say, oh yes, I saw that person this week. <sighs> Dodged that one. but you feel guilty and ashamed if you can't satisfy the answers. God, sorry, can't satisfy the questions. What causes us to behave this way and to think like this? Over the last few months, one of the most powerful things that I think God has been showing me is this image that Jesus is not standing there tutting and shaking his head. 
as if I've failed, I've fallen short. Instead, he's got this huge, wide smile, and his arms are open towards me. And over time, I've begun to realize, you know what? I've lived out of that previous image of Jesus, the tutting, the shaking the head. And I think I would have ended up communicating that to other people and giving a sense of disappointment on someone's performance. And just this week, I have felt moved to repent. And I've, I've had to say to God, I don't want to do that. I don't want to give the wrong image of who you are. And I don't want to live from the wrong image of who you are. I don't want to seek to motivate anyone from any sense of failure, disappointment, or use any kind of influence I might have to get something out of someone else. Because if I truly believe this message, if I truly see him, that's going to be the thing that actually helps us and that heals us and drives us. When I see a God that loves us like he does, and that becomes my motivation, it will do a lot for everyone that's around me. I knew that this message that God was bringing us on was going to be one that changes the culture of the church. I have to confess, I didn't think that meant me. I kind of thought that was everyone else. This week, I feel under the microscope a little bit. And it's a little bit, <laughs> a little bit uncomfortable, to be honest. That's a symptom of missing the message. Another symptom, being bored. I don't know how many of you have at points thought, okay, ready to move on now. We've kind of had this message, kind of heard this one a few times now. Trust me, I know your feeling at points. I was talking to a leader the other day, and they said they'd had this conversation with someone. They said, yeah, I'm, I'm ready to move on now. And they said, so how's, how's it touched you? What has what, what this catching a fresh sight of God done for you? How are you seeing that change? And then, oh, it's not really touched down. Maybe that's why we can't move on yet, because God wants us all to catch a sight of him that becomes our motivation. But 15, 20 Sundays of the same message, you will be bored if this thing does not touch you. And if you're not bored, I think you'd get, begin to get angry, frustrated, irritated. This stuff again, I've heard it. Maybe this thing hasn't touched you, and it's just so overwhelming, the fact that it's being pounded Every time, again and again, it's like, but I want to meet him and he's not met me. But because I'm a veteran, I've got to push that down because there's a lot that is expected of me. 
Don't do that anymore. Don't, don't push it down. See a doctor about it. Come see him who stands at your door. Another thing is you, you might find that you're starting to split hairs. Oh, well, I'm not sure if I agree with that definition or that thing like that or whatever. We don't need to get into that if it distracts us from what he's saying, if it's a, it's a coping mechanism for pigeonholing. Another thing that might happen is we begin to lack imagination. We can only think of what we're currently doing. It narrows our thinking. We stick with what's safe, what's clean. We, we're not prepared to consider the things that are outside of our comfort zone. When we're asked to dream, there's a tendency to tinker with what already exists. When we're asked what are we dreaming about, we critique meetings. We focus on what are the inputs that we're doing rather than enjoying the outcomes that he's got for us. We're satisfied with those kind of minimal changes. That's a symptom of not catching what he's got. Yeah, I mean, I can't even think in my head when the struggles really first started, looking back, you know, I'd like to say, oh, you know, it was when the pandemic happened, that was it. But, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm hearing and I'm thinking, hmm, maybe I was just ticking along a little bit. Maybe I could tick all those boxes. Um, and it wasn't that I wasn't getting on with things and it wasn't that I wasn't asking God. Um, but one of the things that that really stood out to me was that really wanting to cry out to God, but kind of almost not being able to do that. And, and I was looking at that, that psalm, uh, as the deer pants for the water, so my soul longs for you. And, and kind of thinking, well, I don't know if I'm even at that point, really. It was, it was just getting on with things. So you were just kind of getting on, you were a veteran, you've been around the block, then God met with you. And when he met with you, what happened? Um, yeah, it, it was such a, a bit of a process, really. Um, but I had... Uh, oh God, I can't yeah, yeah, that I'd, um, I'd asked for prayer. And I think I shared that testimony. I'd, I'd had a lot of trouble with my back and being at the end of myself, thinking I was at the end of myself because I was in pain, but really I was at the end of myself here in my relationship with God, that it wasn't okay. It wasn't okay to just keep going, but actually what I needed to do was to be saying to God, it's not okay, that I want something different to happen. And... You know, I had been asking him, I'd been asking him, I'd been coming to meetings, I'd been um, going to sort of the encouragement, you know, the meet with God encounter meetings. Um, I had got people to pray and, and I'd kind of looked at that psalm and thought, well, I need to do a bit more, you know, but it was all about doing stuff. So, oh, maybe I should be getting on my knees a bit more. Maybe I should be crying a bit more. Maybe I should be... Uh, doing what I see other people doing, you know. Maybe I should be reading the Bible more. But, actually, it wasn't about that. Um, and I, I can't even say what it was. 
But that morning when God came and the Holy Spirit started to talk to me, um, that what he showed me was that over a period of time I built up quite a lot of resentment. And you know, I didn't even know it was there. And if anybody had told me, I'd have said, no, I think, you know, actually it's not that I've got resentment, it's that they're wrong, probably. Um, and God just put his finger on this and he said, oh, hold on a minute. And, and it, it was a point of turning around. You know that word repentance? Let's not think because we're veterans and it doesn't matter how old you are. You can be veterans if you're youth. <laughs> Let's not think that we don't need to repent. And as you repented, just describe like you described to me, what, how did it feel different? Well, as, as God really pointed out this, that it wasn't as if I could just kind of almost sort of make up my mind, okay, I won't do that anymore, I won't think that. Um, something quite miraculous happened. You know, it was like God sort of set me free. And afterwards I thought, oh, what it feels like is I've been looking at life through a pair of dark glasses that I didn't even know I had on. So, so, so many situations and things I'd be... I'd be looking at through those eyes of resentment. And, you know, then it was, you know, God took it off. And it was him that did it. And it really did set me free. Which was ast it was astonishing. What would you say, just as we conclude, what would you say to others like you? What would you say as Jamie's speaking? You know... That this is this is quite a difficult one because actually, uh, I realised that I could say a whole yeah, don't sermon, no sermons, just <laughs> just a one-liner. I go, I haven't got a one-line, but but really, that God is there. That He hears whatever is in your heart, whether you know whether you're conscious of it, whether you're crying, or whether you just know that there's something missing that this isn't really where you want it to be, that you are ticking along. Whether you see other people and think, oh, oh I haven't got that, that actually ask him and don't stop. Because the Holy Spirit, like Jamie was saying, you know, don't go looking. The truth will set you free. You're the Holy Spirit, yeah, I know. I can't help it. The Holy Spirit will come. That's what I want to say. Thank you. Thank you, Julia. Listening to, to Julia's story, just thinking about what, what it must have been like for Zacchaeus to know that this guy, Jesus, had actually come and stopped at the tree that he was hiding and watching from. And I think God finds us in a crowd. And I think that's so true also for, for veterans because you are in a crowd. But that idea that he's standing at your door, is he's, he's come to find you today. He's come to, to reach you. You're not just one of the many. You're the individual that he has chosen. And um, as, as the good news, the sun is coming out. 
God has already come for you. The same God that left heaven. He had everything he needed in heaven. He had the eternal glory of being God. He had intimate relationship with the Spirit and the Father. And yet, he didn't have you. And so he left all of that stuff to come for you. That is his heart. But he's doing it also today. And he did it before you did anything of value for him. He's come for you because he saw that you needed him. That's just, that's just God's heart. Dave Mansell, who was one of the guys involved in the uh, house church movement, was telling a group of us his experience of one night waking up in the middle of the night and the presence of God was so tangible in his bedroom with him. And he said, yes, Lord, what do you want me to do? And he felt God say, nothing. I've just come to be with you. <laughs> if you were any of us there, that you, there was not a dry eye in that room listening to that story. I, wow. God just wants to be with us. Not to get you to do anything. Not to come and make you more effective in your performance. He's come to be with you because he loves you. Just because he loves you. So what do we do? As veterans, if we've missed the message, if we've parked or pigeonholed that message, what do you do? Allow yourself to be rescued. You cannot save yourself. Reach out and take hold of he who has taken hold of you. So here's some tips. Humility. We need to repent of our self-sufficiency. That's unsettling. In fact, it can be terrifying to realize you come to the end of yourself and you don't have a balance carried forward. I don't know if anyone does their own accounts. I do mine once a year. Um, but you, you carry your balance forward. What have you made over the course of the previous month and that's, that's there for you the next month? But to come to the conclusion, I don't have anything to bring forward. I thought I had a beautiful professional Christian veteran CV of all of these things I've accomplished. Nothing gets carried over. I have nothing. I come to him with nothing of value. I can't rely on my CV. In fact, my CV gets better the more stuff I delete off of it. Because it brings me back to a dependency on him and seeing him and living from the reality of just enjoying him enjoying me. There's a vulnerability that comes. A few weeks ago, Michael shared some um, pictures of vulnerability. He talked about um, metal being poured, like molten metal being poured into a, a, a clay jar and that having to break to, to reveal the precious metal that was inside. Or someone coming in a, in a rat-thick duvet, protected, secure, warm, and having to drop that. And he said... 
he felt that God was saying there's a time for that protective layer to come off and to allow the duvet to fall by his grace and realising that he is faithful and trustworthy to be our protector and our provider. Perhaps people have been feeling nervous around his presence, feeling that they could be exposed. But he was saying that he is trustworthy and wholehearted worship and dedication is, is our response to him. There's a compulsion and a surrender. That doesn't seem to be the way that the Spirit works. He causes us to want to do something, but then there's a vulnerability of letting him do what he wants to do. He doesn't take control of us. And there's a being real, I'm struggling, I need a doctor. And obviously engaging with the very message, I need that fresh sight of him, I need that touch. got to return to him. I need him to rescue me. Nothing I've done in the past will be enough. This is the snot sucker that I've talked about in the past. This was what I got before my son was born for Christmas. My son was born a couple of weeks later. When I first opened that thing, it was the most foul, offensive, repulsive, disgusting thought. I would not want that. I put it away in the drawer. A week after my son was born, his breathing was being hindered by a big, fat bogey. Without a second's thought, ah, top drawer, let me go grab that thing. Suck that bad boy right out of there. <laughs> What had changed? I'd seen my son. I'd seen him. And everything had changed. Everything had changed. The things that didn't matter suddenly mattered. And the things that seemed to matter the whole world did not matter anymore. When you see him, when you see him, the fear of being overwhelmed, it goes Fear of being exposed and judged, it goes. Being bored, it goes. And imagination comes in. When you see him, everything changes. And the best part of it all, Ephesians 3.20, he is able to do immeasurably more than we could ask or imagine, according to his power, that is at work within us. When we take our hands off of our life, when we take our hands off of the controls, man, what he can do with our lives in loving partnership with him. So this is our uh, little experiment a few weeks ago. My actual favourite part of this illustration didn't occur to me until I was talking to someone the following week. And it was this. The reaction started before we were ready. You see that slight freaked outlook of Michael there. The stream went higher than we were expecting. He'd actually tested at home and it didn't go that high. And the mess was greater than we'd prepared for. <laughs> this is the immeasurably more that he does. 
when you see him, when you take your hands off of the controls, that grace, that presence of God is dropped inside of us and it causes something we didn't know was inside of us to come out. I think it's going to get messy. I think it's really going to get messy in the most beautiful, wonderful way. Because when you let go, God's got a big beating heart for you, for your friends, for your family, for your road, for your neighbourhood, for this world. And boy, what he could do. We're going to have such diversity amongst us and it's already happening. And I'm looking around and I'm thinking, wow, God's up to something here. And it's going to get messy. I think there's going to be lefties and righties politically. There's going to be all kinds of classes. In the case of some of us already here, there might be no class. But he's going to bring us together. It's going to be messy. Some people won't even know which one is their soup spoon. That might just be me. God wants to do incredible things, and we're going to see it when we stop trying to manage. And we don't have to manage because he becomes the motivator. There's this great line in C.S. Lewis's story. So... um, the children are finding out about this mysterious character called Aslan. And so uh, Susan says, Aslan is a lion? The lion? Oh, no, Susan doesn't say that. The beaver says that. Aslan is a lion, the lion, the great lion. Oh, said Susan. I thought he was a man. Uh, he thought he was a man. Is he quite safe? I shall feel rather nervous about meeting a lion. Safe, said Mr. Beaver. Who said anything about safe? Of course he isn't safe, but he's good. He's the king, I tell you. Let God be God. Don't try and tame him. Don't try and limit what he can do because... It feels too overwhelming. It feels too uncomfortable. Let him be God. Let him make a big old mess. It's the only way to live. It's the way that he designed us to live. So, here's some possible responses that you might want to make. Forgive me for trying to manage my own life. Forgive me for trying to rely on my track record, my, my veteran status, my CV. Forgive me for retaining control. Give me that fresh sight of you. I need it. I got nothing. I got nothing brought forward. And the Holy Spirit, come and take control. Come and do what only you can do. I take my hands off. Take me on that adventure that you got for me. Thank you for listening to this podcast by Lifeline Church. We hope this message has been an encouragement to you. 
We are a relational church with a passion to demonstrate God's love to one another and our surrounding community in real and practical ways. We believe that God has called us to have an impact on our families, our communities and our nation. We'd love to connect further with you, so please do visit our website at lifelinechurch.co.uk, on Facebook, lifeline.church.uk, or Twitter at lifelineuk.com.